You know, a highly successful businessman was once asked to make a substantial donation towards an urgent charity appeal. After listening to their case, he asked, Did you know my mother needs 24-hour nursing care? No, we didn't, came the reply. Did you know my sister is struggling to raise a family of eight on her own? No, we didn't. Did you know I have one son in a drug rehab clinic and another doing voluntary work overseas? No, we didn't know. Well, if I didn't give them a cent, what makes you think I'll give it to you? <laughs> You'd hardly call that generous, would you? The Bible records over 7,000 promises of God with more promises connected to giving and generosity than any other subject. So this morning I want to look at the power of generosity. Whether it's giving money, time, effort, praise or talents, the Bible is full of promises that can benefit us and others through our generosity. God is generous. It's His nature. You know, His Word is full of the, His character which is generosity. Generosity is love in action. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God is a generous God, and for us to become like Him, we need to kick selfish and stingy behavior out the door, making room for His love to flow through us. This morning, I want to cover some of the major benefits of being generous. But let's first pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that time of worship this morning. We thank you that you placed it on our hearts to be here this morning and we just commit this time to you. Speak to us, Lord. Let us hear what you are saying to us. Let us go out changed. Let us go out different, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Do you want to be the same? You know, you come to church and you go back the same. I don't. I want to be changed. I want to receive something when I come to church. Something from God, and whether it's through the worship, through it's Him speaking to me, through His voice in my ear, um, whether it's from the message. I want to take something away. I want to be changed. I don't want to be the same forever. And you know, generosity is, is the key to actually God. Generosity is one of the greatest things because He is a loving and generous God. And so we want to be part of that. You know, it says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Everything good comes from the Father. If you think of bad and good, the good comes from the God. The bad comes from the enemy. So everything good comes from God. Acknowledging that God is the best giver and allowing that greatness to flow through each of us actually honors Him. So the first thing we want to say is generous, generosity honors God. It honors Him. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, get those scriptures up for you. Carrying out this social... Re this is from the Message Bible, but it just puts it quite well. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgiving to God. So they saw Paul's, the Corinthians saw a need to help out Christians, but 
Paul was saying there's a correlation there between helping people out and thanksgiving going to God. Put simply in Proverbs, it says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So when you're those little acts of giving, you, you actually don't probably think about that, but it actually honors God every little thing you do. Trades and talents are often passed down from generation to generation. And when the newer generation is being interviewed or praised, often they, you will hear them acknowledge the generations that have gone before them. And this honours the generations before them. Similarly, every act of generosity brings honour to our Heavenly Father. Because we're His children. And so when we do that, we honour Him. When God's creation carries out great or small acts of generosity, we bring honour to Him, our Creator. Like anything you create or bake or make, you are pleased when it functions well. Well, God's pleased when we function well as well. Secondly, I want to say generosity leads people to Jesus. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead to transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do we agree with that? It's by grace we were saved. We were dead to sin, but he generously came and saved us. And it, as He lives in us, His nature should naturally then flow out of us. This inexhaustible supply of love and generosity is just waiting to give, serve, help, encourage, pray, praise through you and me. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And then He says, so... You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sometimes it's hard to understand. If we love other people, how does that point to Jesus? We're just loving other people. But it does because it brings his love into the world. It allows his love to flow through. Jesus is saying when we as Christians love people, not just love your bro, yeah, love you, you know what I mean? And we can say that, but when we genuinely love people in action, we demonstrate to the world that Christ is real, and he came to seek and to save the lost. Generosity is love in action, and it's our responsibility. Love reaches a community, so when you are sitting at home, maybe just watching telly or watching YouTube or whatever you ask, Ask yourselves and say, what could I do to love this community? What could I do to love others? Ask God. Just say, what can I do? You know my personality. You know the people I meet. What can I do to help love others? Thirdly, generosity makes me more like Jesus. Generosity makes me like Him. The most generous person who ever lived was Jesus. As mentioned before, He sacrificed His life for me and you. His ministry while on earth 
and now seated with the Father, was still and is still about loving mankind. And as his generous character is outworked in us, we actually become more like him. In Proverbs it says, The greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. James tells us, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. Now we sometimes say that we're not religious. We're not religious. We have a relationship. But religion can be pure and faultless. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So similar to what Jesus said when questioned by the Pharisees about washing before eating. You know, they, they said to him, you guys don't wash. What's, what's with you? And the message translation says, turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean, not just your dishes and your hands. The Pharisees just saw the law, but Jesus was saying, what's inside of us? We need to be generous. Now, Oswald Galter was a missionary in northern China during the 1940s. After 10 years' service, he was returning home. His ship stopped in India, and while waiting for a boat home, he found a group of refugees living in a warehouse on the pier. Unwanted by anyone else, the refugees were stranded there. Galter went to visit them. As it was Christmas time, he wished them a Merry Christmas and asked them what they would like for Christmas. We're not Christians, they said. We don't believe in Christmas. I know, said the missionary, but what do you want for Christmas? They described some German pastries they were particularly fond of, and so Oswald cashed in his ticket, used the money to buy baskets and baskets of pastries, and then took them to the refugees and wished them a Merry Christmas. When he later repeated this incident to a class, a student said, but sir, why did you do that for them? They weren't Christians. They don't even believe in Jesus. I know, he replied, but I do. There's a point, isn't there? The more godly or Christ-like you become, the more generous you are. And also the other way around. The more generous you are, the more Christ-like you become. Fourthly, generosity is the cure for materialism. Materialism is all about accumulating things, whether we need them or not. And I'm as guilty as that of that. Especially now that you know I had children and I bought toys for them. Now I've got grandchildren and I want them to enjoy toys again now. And I've got a great grandson and I've also already bought some toys for him. And he's about four months old. I've got, I got his first trucks ready already. You know? But the antidote for materialism is actually giving. You know, what's the antidote for a snake bite? It's, it's the venom taken out of the snake, actually. And so our antidote for materialism spending is actually the same money, but giving. 
So giving breaks the grip of materialism. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. But then he says, he doesn't say you should not, he says you cannot serve both God and money. Money is necessary, we know that, but God says don't let it get a grip of you. You can't serve both. If we learn to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, money can't get hold of us. At the time of his arrest, Jesus, his only possession was what? Anybody remember? Oh, and you won't get into trouble. One person, a seamless garment that they cast lost lots for. Some of you might be saying, I would love to be generous, but I can't even afford my essentials, let alone give money away. But generosity is not just about money. A generous heart looks for ways to bless others. Money is just one way. Our time, our talents, our energy are all valued when shared or given away. Money is not the answer to every need. You know, when the cripple uh, asked Peter and John for money outside the temple gate, what did they say? Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. We often forget that our prayer, if that is going to solve that person's need, is very, very powerful. Healing prayer was what that man needed most. Recently I heard somebody needed some firewood. And I also knew somebody that had some logs that they needed to get rid of. So it was a matter of connecting the dots. Collect the firewood, cut the firewood, chop the firewood, deliver the firewood. Right? Cost to me? Minimal. But, reward? Huge for them. You know I mean? There's things if we hear a need, and we just have it in our heart that we want to meet that need, God finds a way. It doesn't have to cost us uh, a lot of money to be generous. You know, in Proverbs it says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Who wants to be like that? Anybody? Most of us, aren't you? Most of us want to be like that. And then Jesus says in Luke, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I've just noted down here, I think of the thimble. I've said this before, the thimble that goes on your finger when you're sewing, you know, to stop the needle pricking you. If that's the measure that you want to use, that's your generosity measure, that's fine. God will measure that back to you. So if you measure out a thimble full to somebody, he'll use that thimble to measure it back to you. And some of you can say to yourself, I don't see the blessing, I don't see that. But then if you go to a cup and you give away a cup full of the, of the same thing, God will actually pour that, use that cup now to measure back to you. And then again, if you were to use a bucket, 
and you use that bucket to measure out to other people, God will use that same bucket to measure it back to you. Which do you want? And God challenged me about that some time ago, about giving, you know, and I, and I heard a message about giving away tens. You give away ten, twenty, thirty dollars, you give it away, and God gives you back tens, whether it be fifty, seventy, thirty. But then they said, and how about trying to give away hundreds? So if you give away a hundred, so when somebody has a need, you, you stretch yourself to give away a hundred dollars, for example. That's a lot of money, you know? And then, but God then gives you back hundreds. And who would rather that if it was coming back? And then if you stretch yourself to a thousand dollars, you gave away a thousand dollars, then that's the measure that will come back to you. So it's in a way, it's like a stretching of us. But it can be food, it can be clothes, it can be furniture. If, you give, if your commodity of giving is, is clothes, you will always have clothes. If it's furniture, if it's cars, if it's houses, whatever you step into, then you will not lack in those areas. The measure that you use is the measure that comes back to you. And we always encourage you with that, but also it works in the negative as well. If you measure out gossip, it'll come back. If you measure out anger, it'll come back. The measure that it's measured out to you, it'll actually come back to you. So we can step into these things. Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Our willingness to be generous and share what we have brings true life. But what can we do? Right, what are some suggestions? I just thought of some things quite quickly for up north. We could catch some fish. Alright? We could catch some fish. And we could give some away. That's being generous. We could grow some veggies in our garden. Alright? And give some away. Silverbeak or rhubarb or something that the possums might not eat before you get it finished. We could babysit some kids. We could give a mum a break. We could say have a break. We could give a you know, mum and dad a break. We could babysit some children. We could bake a cake or scones. Matt here does a wonderful job. Matt's a, um, there was a woman that do a wonderful job, and I've got to say, Matt is a guy, and he's baking all the time. And he blesses people all the time. Guys, we can bake, can't we? Might be a bit of a stretch, but get the barbie out, put some sausages on. <laughs> we could share a meal with somebody. You know, we could just say to them, "Come look, we've got. Come and come and eat with us." That's being generous to people. Often to take somebody shopping, or to pack and save, or to the doctors. Often to take them into town. You're going into town. Take somebody with you. It's a bit of a sacrifice sometimes, you know. We're busy, busy. I've got an hour to sit around, you know, while they're in the doctors. I've got an hour. Yes, we have. You know, give that time and you'll bless somebody. Or volunteer somewhere. Volunteer, you know, your time. God sees it and he honours it. The scripture says, in this way, 
They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Now I'm not trying to be tough on you at all, but John the Baptist was tough. You have a look at this scripture. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And I just wondered about people's lives where that axe was at the, at the root a lot earlier than they would have liked, you know? They produce good fruit. And that's what God wants us to be doing. The people were concerned. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts, Share with one. Anyone who has food should do the same. It's as simple as that. God sees that as well. No Christian can say, I'm not in a position to be generous, as we have Christ living in us, and the Holy Spirit will guide us, because He knows the needs of the people, and He knows us. Okay, fifthly, generosity demonstrates my faith. It's, it's faith in action. Every time you give, whether to the church, other organizations, others in the community, it demonstrates your faith. But why? Because it shows you are trusting in the promises of God. It shows you believe what the Word of God says and that He will take care of you. Some verses there from Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's like stepping out of the boat. Peter stepped out of the boat in faith. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I have been, this is my favorite verse, you know this. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Now, what does He want of me? What does He want to do through me? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So if you just take that verse, and I, I hang on to that verse year after year, because me is no good. <laughs> me trying to do it my way is no, no good. But the idea is that I've been crucified with Christ and now Christ lives in me. So now the life I live should actually demonstrate Christ. It should be a different life altogether. It shouldn't be a stingy and a mingy life. It should be a generous life because that's who He is. My life should reflect the generosity of God. It just should be who we are. You'd agree? Who wants the old self? Who wants to pick up that old grave clothes, you know, that we left in the water, the baptism waters? Who wants to pick that up and carry that around? Not me. Not me. Not me. Not pretty. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the... I have come that you may have life and have it to the... That's for us. And that's what he wants. In faith, we step into generosity. And through generosity, our faith 
grows. Start small. Remember Sally and I started, we had $2.50 left over and God said, okay, I'd like you to be generous. You know, that revelation moment, I said, I've got $2.50 left, what do you want me to do with that? And he clearly said to me, you get the herald delivered, don't you? Everybody got the herald delivered. So by getting the, that cancelled, the herald cancelled at that time, and adding that to the $2.50, we were able to give $25 a month to these organisations that bring Sally in. <laughs> and once you start something, you're in for life. But it's growing from $25 a month, you know, because that measure that you give is the measure that's measured back to you. And it is measured back to you. Worry, anxiety, fear, and unbelief crowd out God's promises. And Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Radar, lock the doors at the moment, please. We're just getting tougher here. Don't let anybody out. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. God dares us. Test me, he says. But what are the main reasons Christians don't tithe at least 10%? I can't afford it. I don't believe in tithing. That was Old Testament stuff. I haven't decided that this is my church. I don't feel I get fed here, so I give it to such and such, another organization. But that's not actually tithing. You know, the Lord tells us to tithe. And so I'll use this example. That let's say that you wanted to go out with the kids and you want to have some fun and you said to them, look, I've just got to go and do a bit of shopping. I want you to tidy your rooms. And when your rooms are tidy, you know, we'll go on a picnic. And then you come home and the kids say, look, I baked you some scones. Now you think that's nice, but what do you really want to know? And they tidy their rooms. So the first thing is that you've asked them to do something, and that's what they want to know. And so look at it this way. If they haven't tidied their rooms, they haven't obeyed you, and they've done something else that they wanted to do. And it's a sort of a blessing. But if they've tidied their rooms and they bake the scones, how marvellous your kids are. Amen? It's a bit like that with our tithing. We do our tithing and we're free to give whatever we want to give. And that is a give, that's a giving offering. It is out of our heart. So one, you could say in a sense is the law. God requires that. But the giving is our generosity of our heart. So the 10% that comes in, or 12, or 15, or whatever you want to tie, you deal with that. And then what God, what you have left, when you actually start giving away, that just brightens everything up, brightens you up, brightens God up. Because now he sees that your heart is similar to his heart. So I just want to get that out of the way, so we know where I stand on that. When you die... How much of your money do you intend to take with you? 
Anybody planning taking money with them? As you get older, you start to think about these sort of things. But when you reach heaven, surely you want to see the fruit of your money. Amen? When you get to heaven and you're pointed to this corrugated iron shack, is that all I get? Look at those mansions that are over there. No, no, no. That's, that's the building material you gave me for up here. I think corrugated iron was actually invented in New Zealand. So we will recognize that. A pastor had a farmer friend in his congregation and they were talking over the fence one day. The pastor asked the farmer, Abe, if you had 100 horses, would you give me 50? Abe said, certainly, pastor. The pastor asked, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50? Abe said, yes. Then the pastor asked, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? Abe said, now cut that out, pastor, you know I have two pigs. <laughs> Generosity sounds good in the abstract. But many Christians picture themselves giving away half of their inheritance. Fewer, it seems, can part with one pig. Tithing 10% or more, as some people in this room do, not only pays for the expenses of running a church, but funds programs within the church and outreach initiatives into the community. So sometimes people say, we're not doing enough. But you've still got to pay the rent and you've still got to you know, pay the expenses and then out of that, as you know with a family, sometimes you can't afford to go where the kids want to go because you've, you're dealing with your expenses. So we trust God as a church for God to provide. But it doesn't mean that we can't instruct the Christians what they should be doing with their money as well. So you help, when you give, you help in those areas. Tithing and giving clearly demonstrates our faith and trust in God. When God says, test me, he is not saying, test your pastor. Somebody recently told us they're not going to give their tithe or 10% until we as a church start doing what they want. But tithing was never conditional. We all can come up with things that we're not happy about in a church. But God doesn't say, test the church either. God says in the next couple of verses, you'll see there, He will, not the pastor, not the church, He will. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. So when we put conditions on our tithing, when we say, eh, I'm not going to. Well, that's what you're missing out on. Now, I can't give you that. And the church can't give you that. If only we could see the power and majesty of these verses. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want that? 
So what's he saying? What's God actually saying? He's saying, look, I will prevent the enemy from stealing from you. How often does the fridge go at the same time the cargo breaks down, and then the toaster won't go, and the kids lose one shoe at school, all in the same week? The enemy's out for you. All right? He said, I can prevent a lot of that. The vines in the fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. All right? He can help you with what you have got to last longer. That's a supernatural thing that God can do. And I've got to tell you, I can't do that for you. So when you put conditions on me or on the church that we have to perform the way you wanted to, it's not going to work. You're not going to be blessed. And then other people will be able to see your life because God's blessed you and say, what a beautiful land. How come you've got a beautiful land? Now, I know I don't want to name names, but there's somebody in this room that their fruit doesn't get bugs. On the other side of the fence, the neighbor gets bugs in his fruit. There's a testimony there, isn't there? And we want that in our life as well. Why, why are you blessed? Why are you blessed? Oh, I give. You give to the church. You don't have to be a Christian to tithe. If you know somebody is going through financial difficulty, suggest that they tithe to the church. There was a pastor that he knew his neighbour was had difficulty with finances, and he said, Bill Johnson tells this story, and he said to him, I can help you. He said, you tithe to the church, and I guarantee God will change your circumstances. But he says, if he doesn't, I will pay your bills for you. That's what the pastor said. The guy had nothing to lose. So he started tithing to the church. And his circumstances were turned around. God honours his word. God honours his word. Does anybody believe in gravity? Anybody not believe in gravity? You know, if I drop this, gravity takes over, doesn't it? That's the same law as tithing. What God says will happen, it'll happen. But we're afraid. You know, L. Kraft, head of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, who had given approximately 25% of his enormous income to Christian causes for many years, said... The only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. And Rick Warren tells, he's the one who uh, wrote The Purpose Driven Life, he told, tells about him and his wife as, you know, increasing their tithe, their tithe, their tithe increasing, increasing to up to, he said the last time, they're up to 91% of his income. And people say to him, oh yeah, but you've earned millions through the sales of your books. You know, that's easy for you. But they started at the beginning, before they had sales of the books. They understood that principle. It'd be easy to give that money, you know, if I had lots of money. People would say that to him. He said, no, it wouldn't. If you didn't learn to give when you had nothing, you won't, learn to, you won't give when you've got heaps. And there's a story told of about... And in a company, a true story about a, a, in a company where they were interviewing people for a job. 
And at the interviewing panel, one of the managers was down in the, the lunchroom at that time, and he just was queuing up. Uh, and in front of him was one of the people that they had interviewed. And he, he was he looked like he was the person who was going to get the job. He had all the qualifications. And he's in the queue, you know, going to buy their lunch in, in the cafeteria. And he noticed the guy take a little cube of butter, you know, and slip it underneath his bread. And then when he bought his food, he didn't pay for his butter. What did that tell? He's dishonest. If you're dishonest in small things, you'll be dishonest in big things. If you're trustworthy in small things, you'll be trustworthy in big things. In his book, uh, Run With The Horses, Eugene Peterson tells how he saw some birds teaching the young to fly. Three young swallows were perched on a dead branch that stretched out over a lake. One adult swallow got alongside the chicks and started shoving them out towards the end of the branch, pushing, 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 until the end one fell off. Somewhere between the branch and the water below, the wings started working and the fledgling was off flying. Same with the second one. But the third one, however, was not to be bullied. At the last possible moment, his grip on that branch loosened just enough so that he swung downwards and tightened again, holding on tenaciously while upside down. He wasn't going to let go of the branch. The parent pecked at the desperately clinging talons until it was more painful for the chick that was hanging on to risk the insecurities of flying than to keep hanging on. The grip was released and the wings began pumping. The mature swallow knew what that chick did not, that it would fly, that there was no danger in making it do what it was designed to do. Peterson goes on to say, giving is what we do best. It is the air into which we were born. It is the action that was designed into us before birth. Yet many people don't think they can give generously because they have never tried. We were created to live generously by giving generously of our time, talents and finances. We were meant to soar. I just wondered, which bird are you in that? I'm the pastor. I'm picking at your feet. I'm pushing you along the branch. Are you hanging on to your purse and your wallet with grim death? I'm saying fly. Give God a go. Trust him. Get off that branch. You will enjoy it. It'll be fabulous to allow the flow of God's love to flow through you. Sixthly, generosity has heavenly outcomes. The Bible shows us that God uses what we are given on earth to test our heart and to see whether he can truly trust us with more. We see this in the parable of the talents. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And also, in the to the shrewd manager, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will 
also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So not only do we have earthly outcomes, we also have heavenly outcomes with the way we handle our money. God wants us to steward, in other words, look after or manage or invest in the kingdom. Why? Because he wants to give us much, much more. It's a flow-on effect. If we become blocked up, if we, we should be like a pipe. The, the God's love just flows through that pipe and then gushes out the end. If we get blocked up and we hang on to things and we're tight-fisted, that water will trickle out. But God rewards us in heaven for our giving. And in seventhly, God giving generously brings God's blessing. I've been alluding to that right through this message. There are hundreds of Bible verses declaring generosity brings God's blessing. But if we want these blessings, we must learn to be open-handed, open to helping others, open with everything we get. God reveals his heart for the poor when he instructed the children of Israel. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. So if you get a picture of that, if you think of the field and you're harvesting it, you're getting the corn or the maize and you're just going around it, he's saying leave some for the poor. Don't be tight-fisted and just get every bit. When you go through your you go through, you know, your grapes. Take your grapes. But don't go through a second time. Let the poor come into your fields and take that. It's a great picture. I love those that verse. Because he's interested in the poor, isn't he? God is interested in the poor. And I don't necessarily just poor with money, but it could be poor with something else that they're missing out on. It could be poor of friendship. And you could just be a friend with somebody. There's lots of things people are poor about. The more you give away our time, our talents, our treasure, the more God blesses us. Give generously, without grudging heart, because the Lord will bless you in all your work and in everything you'll put your hand to. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If, you, if that was the only verse that you wrote down today, if that's the only one you remember, 2 Corinthians 9, 7-8, each of you should not... Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, that's abundantly, that's more than you need, so that you have all things, at all times, having all that you need. Where does that come from? Generosity. You can't picture God saying, oh man, do I have to give up my son? He's my only son. You know what I went through to get that guy? Now I've got to give him up for those guys down there on earth. Look at them. He 
got upset with us down on earth. He sent a flood. You know, he wasn't happy with the thoughts of man. But he gave generously his son to us. And he wants that generosity to, to flow through us. I'm, I'm, just as I'm going to finish off, I'm going to get the ushers to take up the mission offering. Alright? And please give generously. But if you haven't got anything, that's okay. Every month we take up a mission offering. And every week we take up an offering. So we'd just like you to, as we put up that last slide there, number 24, put my in front of those headings. My generosity honors God. My generosity leads people to Jesus. My generosity makes me more like Jesus. And my generosity is the cure for materialism. My generosity demonstrates my faith. And my generosity has heavenly outcomes. And my generosity brings God's blessing. Not only into my life, but into others' lives. Do you agree with me? Anybody agree? Praise God. But if you don't, don't worry. God can help you. God can help you. He gently helped me and Sally Ann to come into the fullness of tithing and giving. And we'd never look back. We'd never look back if we think what we started with. And I just pray too that as you take that step of faith, you will see there's abundance in your life. Let's stand. We're just going to worship the Lord.